No, we don't have plans to invade Poland. Next on Polygamy, what love is this? It's been quite a while since we dedicated some of our time to share comments from viewers. We thought today that we'd do a potpourri of information and comments that might be interesting. Just recently, we received an email from someone who is not too happy with what we're doing. And Earl will read yeah, that email. Funny one to start with here. <laughs> Why are you seemingly intent on persecuting people who are on a mission worldwide to knock on doors and seek to get people to accept the message that Jesus Christ gave to us. I am not a Mormon, but it does bother me that you appear to be spending your time turning some dollars in the process, I guess that means earning money, it huh? Must. To denigrate other group, another group of people who, regardless of the follies of Joseph Smith, adore Jesus and try to live by the commandments. Are there not any hungry or homeless people in the world who would benefit from your zeal? Or are you no different to the Catholic Church who hounded and persecuted Protestants who did not live by their own definition of piety? Are you some sort of super-Christian who feels empowered to look at the speck in the eyes of others, etc.? Or are you a puppet of Satan attacking others who choose to worship the Lord in a way that you disapprove because, of course, your ego tells you that you are a far superior Christian to every other Christian? Do you think the Catholic Church should be disbanded because of the sexual crimes of some priests? Why stick at just the Mormons? I am sure you could find fault with all other Christian movements other than your own superior sect or cult. Please let me know when you are intending to invade Poland. I'm sure that has a reference to, oh, to Germany somehow I, that we that they went in I and took over. I don't think that know. we had an answer from him. But and before I had took the time or had the time to answer him, Scott Johnson, who also works with the ministry, answered this man's query. Now Scott does a supremely better job than I ever could do in responding to these kinds of communications, and this is his reply. He's responded to a few of mine too, Mike. Yeah. inquiries and he does such a good oh, job. Oh, I know. It's he's, awesome. He's, he's excellent. <laughs> and he said, Scott did, I'm not entirely sure how to even answer your email full of bizarre non sequiturs. Please provide some specific instances where we have persecuted, hounded, or denigrated anyone. You may not be Mormon, but your arguments are almost verbatim boilerplate statements we hear from a number of Latter-day Saints, most of whom I would wager have never actually watched any of our programming, but seem content to throw stones just the same. We have no axe to grind against the Mormon people. Quite the opposite, this is why we have every interest in sharing with anyone who will listen the truth that we read in the Bible. It's not about our church, it's about Jesus Christ. It is considered hatred to share good news. Is it considered hatred to share good news with people? If that is considered persecution, then what would you call the missionaries who knock on doors telling people that the only way to eternal life is through obedience to the laws of their church, a church that is founded on the teaching that all other churches are corrupt and abominations according to the first vision account of Joseph Smith? If that's not denigration, then I don't know what is. 
A church that is sitting on 120 plus billion dollars and yet is one of the least generous of all the churches out there in terms of humanitarian aid when you actually look at the statistics. 120 billion dollars would go a long way toward wiping out hunger and homelessness that I presume you care deeply about. And invading Poland? What are you talking about? I am more than happy to dialogue with you, but you got to tone down the anger and sarcasm and start exercising some reason. Regards, Scott Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so I let it be as it may. I decide not to jump into the, <laughs> to the into fray, the but it was good. <laughs> now, we, of course, do receive comments from those who appreciate what we are doing and from those who have been helped by our ministry. One comment that we recently received said, Doris, your broadcast has helped me understand what Mormonism is really all about, much different than what they have represented to me since I arrived here 45 years ago. I also appreciate the refresher course as it pertains to my Christian upbringing. Some of my agricultural business clients are Mormons. I now have much better insight into their thought processes. Kind regards, and may God bless you for what you teach us. And this was from a man in Fishhaven, Idaho. Yeah. And we do appreciate uh, those kinds of encouragement. Now, an ex-polygamous wife wrote this next quote. She was horribly abused by her polygamist husband and has pretty much been shunned by family and friends since she got out of the polygamy group. Her search for truth is less than successful. But according to this comment from Facebook, she believes she has the truth now. What is true to you? My focus is on my own truth, because mine is individual. My truth is different than yours. My truth is my own. It accommodates my own ideas, my own life, my own truth. Yours should as well, so your truth is different than mine. I hope you're opening to I hope you're open to understanding your own truth because it needs to be acknowledged. And I can see where she's coming from, yeah. but at the same time, Jesus said that he is the truth. So to have the true truth, <laughs> you must know and have Jesus Christ. Yeah. Too many people when they leave Polygon or the Mormon Church just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. completely yeah, ignore do. all that has to do with God. And that is one of the reasons that we do what we do. Because the Mormon Church's hundred plus billion dollar investment portfolio Folio is still in the news, we thought we'd insert a bit of financial information regarding Brigham Young and his indebtedness to the Mormon Church when he died. Yeah, very interesting from the comprehensive history of the church. Brigham Young was largely indebted at the time of his death and justly owed to said church over a million dollars. A million dollars he yeah. owed to the Mormon church when he died. And a little more. That Brigham Young would be, would be able to run up a debt of a million dollars from the church funds plus draw a salary certainly raises questions about LDS claims of not having a paid clergy. <laughs> now... You, of course, having come from the LDS Church, know that they brag a lot about not paying their clergy. Oh, yeah, unpaid clergy. It's, uh, it's a big deal yeah. for them. And the fact that pastors are paid is, mm -hmm. is, a, yeah, is a negative, Make that comparison, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yet, Brigham Young preached on the evils of receiving money for ministerial work and bragged that the Mormons did not pay their workers. But it must be okay to take millions of dollars or a million dollars out of the church treasury for personal use. And the New Testament teaches that clergy is supposed to be paid. Here's a small portion of one of Brigham Young's sermons on tithing. Yeah, this is out of the Journal of Discourses. 
How much tithing do you pay? The professing Christians, apostates, and others have a great deal to say about the saints paying tithing. Now let us compare notes. The elders of this church travel and preach without purse or script and labor at homes as bishops, presidents, high counselors, and ministers free of charge. We preach the gospel without purse or script and work for our own bread and butter. Yet the Christian world whine about our paying tithing. In regard to this whining of the world about Brigham's handling the tithing, I can say that he has put in $10 where he has taken one out of the treasury, and he has paid more tithing than any other man in the church. Everybody should pay their tenth. So based on what he's bragging about here, he would have paid $10 million into the church tithing, right? Well, it's on, on that basis, yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't sound... Be able sound, to take one out of every ten. Doesn't uh, sound at all... Uh, take his own tithing Reasonable, <laughs> Of course, saying one thing and doing something else seems to be what's going on here. He owed a debt of a million dollars at his death, so we, do we call this hypocrisy? Yeah, you know? By the way, the New Testament does not require a 10% tithe, but we are to give from a cheerful heart and not by compulsion or by command, and an amount that we determine, not what the church determines for us. Through the years, we have received many, many comments about what we do. Some are hypercritical, some are mildly critical, some are nice. We are always happy to receive your questions and invite you to email concerns and questions that you might have. Please understand that while we love to discuss these matters, we do want to discuss them with honest seekers, but not with those who are intent upon character assassination. The following questions, we have, I think, four or five questions right. that are general are indicative of most viewer responses that we receive. Our answers follow each question. Yeah, and here's the first one. Why do you feel the need to spend your time and energy attacking Mormons? And that was what the first letter that basically. you read basically asked yeah. that question too. And first of all, we don't attack Mormons. We do challenge truth claims of polygamist and of Mormonism. Our motivation actually shows our concern for those who believe false teachings and false claims of salvation. We realize that many Mormons and polygamists are conditioned to interpret any sort of challenge to their faith as an attack. But that's a wrong interpretation of our motives. Our objective is to support and promote biblical truth and accuracy. And I think you do that so well. And that's what we strive to do. That's yeah. what you do with your interviews. Right. You know, yeah. we, we want to bring the Bible to bear yeah. on our experiences, on what we believe. So number two, why can't you just talk about what you believe instead of instead of tearing down someone else's faith. And it more or less fits in with yes. number one with a little bit more information. And if you've watched very many of our shows, you'll find that we clearly and repeatedly speak about biblical truth, which is what we base our faith upon. Uh, but one of our objectives is to communicate the fact that God does not command or... Yeah. or encourage, encourage. condone yeah. polygamy, nor has he instituted all the requirements of the Mormon and polygamous lifestyle. God has not instituted all those things you obeyed as a Mormon. That's right. <laughs> or in myself in the polygamy group. Our goal is to discuss freedom in Christ. And speaking truth often requires pointing out false doctrine. We're not trying to tear down anyone's faith, but we are trying to build up faith in the biblical Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. And if they just read the Bible in context, 
they might pick that up. And, and you know, one of the things that really just weighs on me all the time, just this, the desire for people who leave Mormonism, LDS or polygamy, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, no. you know. And yet they, they, they've been so burnt by religion that that's what they do. And God is so good. He's so loving. And they just don't, they I mean, don't even stick around long enough to I've find given, that out. I've given a lot of thought to that, too. And I, I just have a, it's so sad that we have that feeling about the Bible, that it's not trustworthy. Yeah. And so, and, and our knowledge of the Bible is so, so shallow that we don't have that as a foundation to fall back on. Right. And it's, uh, it's sad. That, and so we don't really have any respect for the Bible right. and don't trust it. Right. So it, uh, right. There, anyway. there is no so, respect for the Bible yeah, in Mormonism very and little, polygamy. Very little. So number three, you are being deceptive by associating Mormonism and the polygamists. I don't believe this one. <laughs> We have nothing to do with the one with one another. You don't believe this one, huh? I don't and I that. just got another one last week. You know, just a few days ago, the same exact question. When I gave her my answer, she just laughed at me. Oh, <laughs> and and yeah, we do hear it often. We've heard it through the years very often. Actually, it's Mormonism that's being deceptive by pretending that there is no connection between Mormonism and polygamy. Polygamy began as a revelation of Joseph Smith and was taught as an eternal and everlasting doctrine and commandment of God by many subsequent LDS presidents and prophets, all of whom are revered by both LDS and polygamists. Now, we are well aware that the mainstream LDS church does not permit the practice of polygamy and that they excommunicate those in, the, excommunicate those in their church who do it, but we've never stated or even implied that this is not the case. But the doctrines of polygamy are still established within the mainstream LDS church. Section 132 is still in their scriptures. They haven't removed it. And they continue to claim polygamy is an eternal principle and many expect to be polygamous in heaven. It is downright dishonest, at least very ill-informed, for a Mormon to claim that polygamy and the LDS have nothing in common. The doctrines of Mormonism and the doctrines of polygamy groups are nearly identical, despite the fact that the LDS Church often de-emphasizes the similarities. And don't we know that the Utah state government re just recently decriminalized uh, polygamy? Well, right? by the time this show is aired, it will it be probably old news. <laughs> but yes, the governor just, just barely, needs to sign it. He just needs to sign it now. And, uh, and the majority of of those congressmen or representatives are all LDS. A lot right? of people think that's paving the way for Mormonism, the LDS Church, to start polygamy Just, again. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> How can you denounce polygamy when many of the Old Testament prophets practiced it? There you go. Yeah. And there are several of the godly men in the Old Testament who did have more than one wife. But then again, many of those same men uh, lied and cheated and stole and murdered and were guilty of all kinds <laughs> of ungodly behaviors. But that doesn't mean that God condoned those behaviors too. Um, Nowhere in the Bible did God command or encourage or condone polygamy. Some of his people practiced it, yes, but their homes and their families were dysfunctional and filled with jealousies and contention. Of course, the most famous that the LDS refer to and the famous most people know about are Abraham, Jacob, David, and Solomon, and their stories are great examples of how multiple wives were a curse, not a blessing.
In biblical times, polygamy was, and it still is, a source of strife and friction and jealousy and several other ungodly consequences. The question most often asked is, why would God bless those Old Testament men if polygamy was wrong? Well, the same reason he blessed them despite the other sins in their lives, because God loved them and because they had placed their faith in him, not in their own righteousness. Now, the same reason that we receive blessings today, in spite of the fact that each of us are sinners, (laughs) is because of God's love and patience. This does not mean that God condones or blesses our sin, but it does illustrate and teach us about his mercy. He tolerates our sinfulness for a time to give us the opportunity to repent and place our faith in him. The following verses describe what we mean. Yeah, from Romans 2, 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? And from 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So he has patience. Uh, the, the Hebrew or Greek word would be long-suffering. He suffers with us a long time, putting up with our nonsense, uh, so giving us time yeah. to stop doing that and to repent. Now, there are many who refuse to come to repentance, and they will perish. But it won't be because God wasn't patient with them. Yeah, and I think that's a real freedom and blessing that we can trust God, that he does love us, and that he will, and he paid for our sins. He paid for them so, already, uh, right. That show, yeah. that's, a, that's a demonstration that's of love. That's love, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fifth one, what makes your belief in the Bible any more right than the Book of Mormon? <laughs> Well, it's actually illogical to say that a belief in the Bible is as misplaced as a belief in the Book of Mormon. The reasons for rejecting the Book of Mormon are based on indisputable indisputable and historical fact, not simply because it disagrees with biblical Christianity. Now, we challenge Mormonism because Joseph Smith does not meet the standard for a prophet. The standard is that Every prophetic utterance comes true precisely as prophesied, and Joseph Smith fails that test. (laughs) We challenge the Book of Mormon because it has no historical verification whatsoever. Geography, language, history, genetics, anthropology, archaeology, all have found no shred of conclusive evidence supporting the Book of Mormon. Now, dismissing these serious problems, claiming it's a matter of faith, is not a sign of strong faith. It is a sign of misplaced faith. The object of our faith is as important as our faith is. A strong conviction of faith, no matter how sincere, does not make something true. If the Book of Mormon is not true, then Mormonism cannot be true. In fact, Mormon prophets have said that. Yes. Hinkley, for it, one of them, said it, that. It stands or fall on, on the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. the first vision, those things, yeah. But 
historically, you know, as you compare it with the Bible, it is based on indisputable and verifiable facts. The Bible, which is the keystone of biblical Christianity, has an enormous amount of historical verification, including an overwhelming amount of fulfilled prophecy, uh, geographical cities, historical events, historical figures, all have a great deal of support from sources outside the Bible. However, our faith is first placed upon a living, life-changing faith in Jesus Christ. So the historical reality of the Bible and the historical falsehood of the Book of Mormon are very real. They are compelling and relevant issues when it comes to matters of faith. Faith needs to be placed in something real, not something imaginary. And truth should never fear investigation. Mm. Good point. And that's what we urge our viewers to do all the time, to check these things out. And finally, now we get a lot of other questions in that, but this kind of sums up the basic yeah. idea of many of our emails and, and inquiries. Finally, we thought that we would share some quotes from women who practiced polygamy in the early Mormon church. Now, too many times I listen to modern-day Mormons explain that their parentage is from polygamy. And journals of their polygamous ancestors reveal that even if it was somewhat lonely, it was a peaceful, loving, happy lifestyle. I've heard that a lot. Have you? Well, that's not true. According to today's polygamous, it's not. And according to many well-known polygamous lives, wives who lived at that time in the early days, it just isn't true. And this is what some plural wives said about the life and doctrine of polygamy in those early pioneer days. Yes, this is Fanny Stenhouse, who in the book Tell It All, page 410. One day the conversation happened to turn upon polygamy, and in a moment I saw that all her trouble arose from that miserable doctrine and from that alone. We had not exchanged many words upon the subject when she exclaimed, Oh, how I hate polygamy. God forgive me, but I cannot help it. I do hate it. That's, you just <laughs> feel sad, that. You yeah. just feel that pain in her. The next one is from Anne Eliza Young. She was a plural wife of Brigham Young. It is the very refinement of cruelty, this polygamy. And its hurts are deeper and more poisonous than any other wounds can be. They never heal, but grow constantly more painful until it makes life unendurable. Again, you can feel the pain that yeah. she's trying to communicate. This one also, the women of Mormonism. The house was a perfect hell, and every polygamist household is, wrote one woman. I defy any man or woman in the Utah Territory to cite one instance of a polygamous household where there is anything approaching harmony, where there is not bickering, constant jealousy, and heartaches, even where the semblance of good relations is most rigidly observed. Sad. Uh, you know, that's not harmony. That is not no. a peaceful household. No. This one is from the autobiography of Hannah Hood Hill Romney. Mm. She said, quote, Heber C. Kimball told my husband to take another wife. The next week, President Young met him and said, Brother Miles, I want you to take another wife. I felt that was more than I could endure. I used to walk the floor and shed tears of sorrow. If anything will make a woman's heart ache, it is for her husband to take another wife. 
And of course, this is Mitt <laughs> Romney's great-grandmother. Oh, boy. And Hannah Hill was a daughter of polygamous also. Yeah, and they spent time down in Mexico or something, mm -hmm. didn't they? they? Did, yeah. Away from the... Mm -hmm. And this one from Orson Pratt, the Journal of Discourses. Sisters, you begin to say before your husbands, or husbands, you begin to say before your wives, I do not believe in the principle of polygamy, and I intend to instruct my children against it. Oppose it in this way, and teach your children to do the same, and if you do not become as dark as midnight, there is no truth in Mormonism. <laughs> There's those threats again, threat right? There, yeah. Yes. And, and now I don't know of a single person. I know a lot of people who have left polygamy and have rejected polygamy. I don't know one of them who has turned as dark as midnight. <laughs> Does sound a little racist too, doesn't Very. it? Very. <laughs> but he's right in the part that there's no truth in Mormonism yeah. <laughs> because they didn't. There, if they don't turn as dark as midnight, there's no truth in Mormonism. So yeah. there's there's the the guide right there. So this one from Helen Mark Kimball, who was 14 years old when, or almost 15, I guess is the way they say that, almost 15, <laughs> wife of Joseph. I had in hours of temptation when seeing the trials of my mother felt to rebel. I hated polygamy in my heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. This also, <laughs> next one is from Helen Mark Kimball. She said, I would never have been sealed to Joseph had I known it was anything more than ceremony. I was young and they deceived me by saying the salvation of our whole family depended on it. Mm. You know, this needs to be a billboard. <laughs> that one should <laughs> in, be. In Mormon country, the deceit that has taken place in early Mormonism. Yeah, and this one from Lucy Kimball. Now, was she related, I'm sorry, was she related to uh, uh, Helen Moran? Uh, she probably would have been related wife, to, to uh, Heber C. When, yeah. And Helen was his daughter. Right. The contract when I married Mr. Kimball was that I should be his wife for time and time only, and the contract on the part of Mr. Kimball was that he would take care of me during my lifetime and in the resurrection would surrender me with my children to Joseph Smith. I declined to answer whether I had any children while I was sealed to Joseph Smith. I have nine children since I was married to Heber C. Kimball. So, there you go. <laughs> Promises to Joseph and, Smith. <laughs> it, it, this Mormon polygamy is very strange, the way they work things out in the eternities. Of course, they'll be shocked when they find out it's not true at all anyway. Yeah. And then from her book, Escape, mm. Carolyn Jessup, a contemporary ex-polygamous ex wife from the LDS, FLDS Church, wrote this. The only way to protect myself in my marriage was by remaining of sexual value to him. Sex was the only currency I had to spend in my marriage. Every polygamous wife knows that. A woman who possesses a high sex status with her husband has more power over his other wives. If she becomes unattractive to him, she's on dangerous ground, usually winding up as a slave to the dominant wife. Now Polygam that's sad. <laughs> it is. Very, very sad. Polygamy is not all peaches and cream as so many contemporary people would have us believe. We close with a question for our Mormon and polygamous viewers. If you discovered beyond any shadow of any doubt that polygamy was not a commandment from God, but was something devised by Joseph Smith himself, would it change your mind about Mormonism or polygamy? And if so, how would it change? And if not, why not? You can email your answer, and we'd love to hear from you, at doris at aboutpolygamy.com. Excellent. <laughs>
So this strange. just kind of puts a little reality into the doctrine of polygamy, people who lived it. Yeah, if they just uh, pay attention to that. Yeah, I wish they We're would. very proud mm -hmm. of our polygamy and mm -hmm. our Thanks, church. Earl. Yeah, appreciate, thank you, Doris. Appreciate <laughs> Someone once said, salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but is a gift for the guilty. Jesus said that he did not come to save the righteous, but he came to save the sinner. And Romans 3.10 tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. Clearly, our own attempts of righteousness is not the way to get to heaven. But the Bible says God doesn't want to see anyone perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. Sadly, many will perish because they seek to establish their own righteousness, ignoring God's gift of His righteousness to all of those who will believe. The simple message of eternal life is, it is a gift of God by grace through faith, not by works. Polygamy is a work toward a goal that can never be reached by works. Turn to God and take Jesus' invitation to come to Him. Let Him gift you with His perfect righteousness. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.